President Taman Shanmugaratnam. I guess that was the most expected outcome. Maybe what was unexpected was the margin of victory, but I don't think anybody is really that surprised that he is our president-elect. So welcome to episode 67, I believe. 67 of Tetarik with Walid. So I will just briefly talk about the election and share my thoughts on some some issues that I think played out during the elections and what we can understand from it. Uh, apologies, I didn't do any episode uh, yesterday. And also, I must say, I have newfound respect for people who are able to react. People like Eugene and Gillian, you know, they are able to react to election results on the fly without showing emotions and so on. I think that's quite an art. Alright, so I really have six issues or topics to talk about pertaining to the elections. So the first one is President Taman itself or President-elect Taman and what it means, the ultimate mandate for him. Second is the referendum on the PAP. The third would be what this means for the PAP in the GE. Fourth, I'll be talking about the spot vote and what that implies for the legitimacy of the election because the number of spot votes were very was very very low the fifth one i'll be talking briefly about race because that has been a topic of conversation and finally i will be talking about the opposition what does it mean for them for most of the opposition parties or leaders even though they endorsed tan kinlan in a personal capacity People don't really see them as personal politicians, right? People will see them as being part of the party. So only the WP stayed away uh, from this amongst the major parties. So, so I'll be talking about that. So let's go one by one. So the first one, the ultimate Taman mandate, 70% is huge. I know that there are some people who say, oh, what if George Go had ran? What if, and I like George Go, I've interviewed him before. If Lee Sian Yang had ran, um, I think the the margin of victory shows that whoever was the one running Tham, President-elect Taman would have beaten them quite convincingly and resoundingly. How do you argue with 70%? This is not a fluke victory. This is not a small margin. It is clear that Singaporeans have endorsed him. Singaporeans have given him this mandate. And uh, the, in the first place, a mandate is a mandate. So even if you want... 33 or 35% to 33% and then 30 plus percent. For me, a mandate is a mandate. If you want, you want, given the rules. However, 70% is an overwhelming, is the ultimate mandate and you can't argue against that. And I think he has shown that Singaporeans largely support him. I think that is beyond a shadow of a doubt. This was true. And I know some people also said, oh, but this is lower than his Jurong vote share, which is a bit of a lame criticism, to be honest, because in a presidential election, people are more liberal with their anti-establishment vote. And yet he got 70%. No one was uh, predicting that. So I think how I described it was this is the ultimate mandate for President-elect Taman. So I just wanted to say that I I think people who say other people have been denied running so on I don't think it would have mattered uh, because the only ultimate uh, metric that mattered for me was the Taman versus non-Taman votes 
So even if you add all the other, it's 70, 30, so it doesn't matter. So that's the first thing. The second thing would be the referendum on the PAP. Now, I have said many times before, my post, even my interviews with media outlets, that ultimately the election will be at least in part, and I argue in large part, a referendum on the PAP. So imagine if today we, we had done this live and Taman had gotten 50%. So Masagos asked, would you still consider the PA referendum on the PAP? So that's that's what I wanted to address. So imagine if the if Taman got only 50% and he won. For sure, many people, including myself, would be saying that this is a referendum on the PAP and people are upset at the PAP. So we can't have a cake and eat it. We can't say that if the results are not good, it's a referendum on the PAP. If the results are good, it's not a referendum on the PAP, right? So I would say, at least in part, it is a referendum on the PAP. Now, of course, there's a caveat, right? The caveat is, Taman is more popular than his former party. I think that is undeniable. I think he's the most popular politician in Singapore. Probably PM is second, and he is first, just based on numbers from general election, and I think the presidential election showed that as well. So, there is that Taman factor. However, given that independence was the theme of the election, so much so that Taman also reacted to these criticisms from his two opponents, from Ng Kok Song and Tan Kin Lian. Independence was the thing that they brought to the table. So they didn't say that they would be a better manager of the reserves and so on than, than Taman, but they said they are independent of the ruling party. Given that that was their central theme, and yet Taman managed to get 70%. You have to say, at least in part, it shows that the PAP brand is not as damaged as a lot of people like to say or think online. And association with the party does not drag a person down completely. If, if you were to believe uh, what, we, what, what we read online, you would think that that would be such a huge factor. Now, of course, Taman is unique. He's an anomaly. He is... There is no other Taman. But I think if I were the PM, I would take comfort from this and think that, oh, if I have really capable candidates, Singaporeans would vote f vote for me. And in spite of whatever has happened, whatever people may say, that the party brand isn't as damaged uh, as a lot of people have claimed. And you can say it's not just it hasn't been as damaged. I, I would say it was it's still the most... A trusted uh, brand in many ways right? so I think for sure it is a good result for the PAP I don't think you can say otherwise right you cannot say it's a terrible result for the PAP at, at best you can say or oh, the Taman factor far outweighs PAP's popularity or whatever it is right but as I said if the reverse was true if Taman did badly we would all say that this reflects badly on the PAP. So I think it's only fair that since he did well, you have to say at least in part, it reflects well on the PAP. Okay. So that's the second thing that I wanted to say. And I think this is quite an important uh, point. I think I already addressed this. As he said, uh, Taman's reputation precedes or exceeds his former parties. Of course, but as I was saying, uh, the independence of the candidates was the central theme 
of the other two candidates campaigns and i think the fact that this was this was this didn't become a factor shows that okay, Singaporeans were willing to accept it and what i mean you have to accept that right, whether you agree or whether you disagree with Singaporeans judgments okay so the third one is what this means and it's related to the second point what this means for the general election i think i think that uh, Taman has set an incredibly high standard for both his party or former party and for future presidential candidates this is an almost impossible uh, standard to meet right 70 percent this is uh, difficult and i think fairly or unfairly his his peers will be judged by that uh, so this has to be balanced with what I said earlier so even though I think the PAP would and should take comfort in this in this result at the same time if you were to be judged by the 70% standard then that's also uh, a bit worrying if people are going to judge you by that right but I guess that's a problem uh, for another day that they, they would be thinking about so there is a question, do you think the PAP will call for a snap poll in view of the landslide? I don't know, um, but uh, I would be quite buoyed by, by I, mean, I would be quite excited by the result if I was in the, in the party. There's a comment, I mean technically all of them have very close ties to the PAP. Yeah, I, I saw this going around a lot. But I never really bought it. Of course, no doubt. Ng Kok Song. I mean, Tan Kinlian is clearly not not the PAP candidate. So I don't know how somebody can say that. Of course, he was a former branch secretary and so on. But that reputation is gone already. That's like saying Tan Cheng Bok is part of the PAP. He was, but he no longer is. Ng Kok Song, of course, he's close to the establishment and he's part of the establishment. But he was clearly not the PAP. Right? So... Yes, ties to the PAP, but also he positioned himself as someone who's not opposition, not PAP. Uh, so then you you have to say that it is uh, it is uh, at least going back to my second point, at least in part an endorsement of the PAP, right? So there is a question: What if it is also just because the other candidates were seen as very weak? Perhaps, of course, that is a possibility. But you have had weak candidates still perform better than 16% or 12, uh, 13%. So it is still, people still do vote against the PAP if they do not like the PAP, even with uh, very weak candidates. In, in Tampines GRC, uh, the National Solidarity Party in 2020 got 30 plus percent of the votes. I guarantee you most of the people who voted for them have never seen these candidates before. And just in terms of saying whether they are weak compared to Ng Kok Song, they are definitely much weaker than Ng Kok Song as a presidential candidate. Right? So, uh, maybe it was that, or I wouldn't say Ng Kok Song was a weak candidate in, in that sense. I think he was very capable. He wasn't known. I, I Granted, he wasn't known. But as a, at the same time, if the resentment towards the PAP was, was high, as it was in 2020, I think even weak candidates would do far better. Right? So another question is, do you think Raman Taman ran a strong uh, campaign? 
so this is by Theo. I personally felt Ong Kok Song won the campaign, especially with the presidential forum. So I agree with you. I on on the second part, not the first one. So I think Ong Kok Song did win the presidential forum. I think he that particular forum. I mean, Taman was strong, but I thought he was just a bit stronger. However, the campaign is more than just the forum. Taman has, of course, you know, the resources, the know-how, the expertise. Just the posters, they were up within a couple of hours, right, of nomination day. I mean, Ng Kok Song didn't have posters and I, I must assume that that hurt him a little bit. And and yeah, so just as I was saying that, Haikal asked that. Uh, and I do think him not putting up the posters, it has an effect, right? Even my eight-year-old son says that how come he doesn't see any poster of Ng Kok Song, right? So I do think I do think it definitely had an effect and we cannot uh, we cannot uh, deny that. Right. So um and Taman has been a campaigner before and I don't think we can underestimate the effect because you know how to reach out to people, you know where to go, you know, just simple, simple things, right? Perhaps age was a factor too. Ng Kok Song and Tan, somebody said, Ng Kok Song and Tan Kilian, 75 years old. I, I, I don't know why or uh, how it would be significant. I think it would be significant if the older candidates seem unhealthy and Tan Kilian and Ng Kok Song didn't seem unhealthy. I don't think it matters. Uh, or it mattered that much and for those who think that it's significant may I remind you Mahade is 98 years old <laughs> he became Prime Minister at 92 years old I think if you are if you are healthy enough uh, you are young enough uh, and I don't think from my sense at least that that was a significant factor um, uh, so yeah so that's the Jingren says, I shared with a friend that actually Taman is being elected in this PE for 12 years at one shot. I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, but yes, so Taman's campaign was uh, was strong with the collaterals, but also his online campaign was was quite superb. The way he reached out to influencers, especially if you think the multiplier effect of those, right? You can have closed door sessions with 30, 40, but if one of them has 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers, right? The multiplier effect of that, I think you cannot underestimate. So, Taman's, Taman's campaign, I think overall was was much stronger than the other two. Much stronger, and for me, it's not even a contest. So, would George Go have eroded Taman's vote share significantly? I don't think so, because as I said, maybe he would have eroded Ng Kok Song and Tan Kin Lian's, I think significantly Tan Kin Lian's vote share. But... It seems like those who were, who voted for Taman would have voted for Taman anyway. So I don't think that mattered that much. Hmm? Okay, so that's that was the third point. That was third point. Also, oh, you are predicting Taman would easily win again if he runs again six years from now. Well, let's let's discuss that six years from now. So many things can happen. So the the fourth point. So okay, there's a question by Kim. This was on my. This is on my WhatsApp. So, do you think many Singaporeans perhaps are not watching this election closely? Perhaps because of the overriding, overriding narrative that the EP has limited powers in, and is constrained, and hence just voted for the most trusted name they saw on the ballot paper? That is possible, but as I said, 
before in my post, voters always maximize and stretch their votes, right? They do not just vote for the institution of the president or the, for the person to be president itself, even though there's a lot of that. Other factors such as resentment, general mood, the message they want to send to the government, all of this matter as well. Right? So there, there was another, and that ju just a side point that I think Kim reminded me of. One of the narratives that came out a lot by analysts, by mainstream analysts, mainstream media, there were so many articles, even some politicians uh, were saying, oh, people don't really understand the elected presidency. Even the candidates were, were saying that. People don't really understand the elected uh, presidency, or people were saying that about the candidates as well. First of all, if people don't understand the nature of the presidency, uh, whose fault is that if it's been around for three decades, right? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, so now that Taman has won convincingly, are we going to say that, oh, people don't really understand what they were voting for, right? So I, I think I am really not into voter shaming in this particular way, right? Oh, when you like the results, you say, oh, yes, voters understood it. When you do not like the result, voters didn't understand it, right? So could be. It could be that people rely on heuristics, but that's normal for any election, not just the presidency, general election as well, presidency, general election as well, but people always vote to maximize their self-interest, and that's how it should be anyway. So I hope I answered uh, Kim's question. Why wasn't Taman's vote share higher than his current percentage? I don't know, so this, you want Taman to get 100% or like 70% is, is huge. So I'll address the non-Chinese Prime Minister in a while. So could it be that Singaporeans vote based on personality? Well, people always vote based on personality and party. That's that's in every election. And it's not again not unique to Singapore, it's every country. So the electoral system will determine what type of considerations voters make. So in a proportional representation system, the party matters more than the personality. In a first-past-the-post or party block vote, GRC system, both the candidate and the party matter. Right? So I think it's not unique to this election. Every election there is uh, like this. Uh, okay, so I'll address the, the Prime Minister thing later on. Okay? So the fourth point I wanted to talk about was the spoiled vote. And I think the number of spot votes was minuscule. It was about 2%. It's not more than most of the elections. In fact, lower than many of the elections. And I think it shows, it shows that people... First of all, spoiling your vote is not that easy. Even if you say you want to do it once you like, queue up, it's very difficult to, to actually follow through. Second of all, it shows that people accepted the legitimacy of this election. Right? A 2% spot vote, I mean, it's difficult to say that people rejected the election if it's just 2%. It's, it's not a significant number or not more significant than usual. So therefore, you have to accept that this is legitimate. And you compare the mood today to in 2017 when there was a lot of resentment because there was no election. And I think any fair-minded person would say today the, the, the vibe, to use a language that my audience understands, I think it is quite clear, it is quite clear that the vibe is very different today as compared to 2017. So it's, 
I, I think it's impossible to say that the election wasn't legitimate or whatever it is. Whatever issues we all may have had, I've already said I wanted to see George go run. I've already said before that I find the criteria too restrictive given the current criteria, 500 million and the public service track. It's very, very limiting and I don't think that's, uh, that's something I am particularly supportive of. But given the criteria and given the elections, no one, I think, can say that the elections were not legitimate or wasn't reflective of what Singaporeans' aspirations were. Even if you didn't vote for Taman, you were one of those 29 or 30% of Singaporeans. You have to accept that this result was legitimate. Right? So, uh, but Taman, uh, Sunshine Storm said that but Taman has refused to be PM many times. Clearly, he doesn't want to be deeply involved in party politics. Uh, he was in the party for over two decades as the SCNA liked to remind us yesterday night when he was at Jurong, he was MP for there for two decades. So he was deeply involved in party politics for two decades. I'll just push back against that particular statement, sorry. Alright, so subliminal messaging. Okay, so that's it for the spot vote. So let me just uh, briefly talk about uh, okay, there's, there's a couple couple more questions. One is by Jasmine. Would a 70% victory for Mr. Taman create a mindset for the PAP that they will win by a bigger margin in the next year? That's an, that's an interesting, a very good question. As I said, I don't think they would be resting on their laurels. You know, there's a saying, right? Which I've mentioned before in, in a couple of episodes that there are only two ways to run an election. Either you are uncontested or you are scared. So if you're contested, you must always be scared, right? And that's why successful parties, they're always paranoid. They're all running with the possibility of losing. And I don't think the PAP will change in that regard. They always run as if there's a possibility of them losing. However, they, they would be, I think, their confidence will be bolstered by, by the results because even though they probably 70% is unrealistic, I think they would be quite pleased with the result and, and would say that, okay, the party brand is still intact very, very much like the party brand didn't drag Taman down. So I think that that is the message that they will take. I think they are realistic enough to think that 70% probably will not be possible, but at least close to it, 65 or something like that. Uh, you should look in, uh, okay, so, I mean, we don't know about these sources, uh, about the different areas giving different uh, vote shares to, to Taman, yes, and okay, and that could be true, probably is true, but it's not that relevant to to this particular discussion. Okay, not sure if low spot votes equals to legitimacy of the PE by we the living crit loving critics. I think it absolutely means that. If that's the case, or if the low spot votes doesn't mean that, the high votes for Taman doesn't mean that, then what what would be a fair criteria to determine whether the election is legitimate. I think it's difficult to say that the election is not legitimate given all of these parameters. Unless if there is a criteria that you would suggest, I, I think uh, it's quite certain, it's quite clear that Singaporeans view the presidential election yesterday. I'm not talking about 2017, I'm talking about yesterday as absolutely legitimate and something that uh, they got would get behind on race okay so and of course i have discussed this 
many times before, right? And President-elect Taman said that Singapore is actually ready for a non-Chinese prime minister. And and of course, I asked the then DPM, oh, the DPM Heng Swee Keat, uh, that question a few years ago. Uh, and when I was asking the question, I was referring specifically to SM Taman being the candidate, then SM Taman being the person who was uh, or who many Singaporeans thought should have been Prime Minister, right? So I definitely thought that Singapore was ready for a non-Chinese Prime Minister and I am glad that President-elect Taman agrees with me as well, right? So yes, uh, iconic moment, I suppose, as Kim said. So, however, I would say a few caveats, right? So one is, I would say we didn't need this presidential election to know that Singaporeans was, were ready for that. The results were have always been there. The results have always been there. Like Taman has always been either the highest performing or one of the highest performing people. Then somebody would say, oh, that's Jurong. And so what? Is Jurong more progressive than the other parts of Singapore? It doesn't make sense, right? So it's just that I didn't need this election to know that Singaporeans would have been ready uh, for that. So that's the first thing I would say. And I think most Singaporeans didn't need uh, this election to see that so I don't think this election we should really say oh this shows that Singapore I would say that that question has been asked and answered long ago already right uh, that Singaporeans were ready right now the second one is now now that question actually becomes theoretical because there is no minority in line that we think would Singaporeans would get behind as Prime Minister Whereas when I was asking that question, at that point in time, it wasn't theoretical. I thought there was a real possibility because there was someone who, who is uh, Taman, who was Taman, that could have been Prime Minister. So the question, I think, becomes less relevant now, right? Because the way I see it, I wouldn't want a minority to be Prime Minister because of that person's race. I just don't want people to be denied a position because of their race. But I don't want to put a person there just because of their race. I don't think that's a healthy way to look at important positions in life as well. Especially for a position as consequential as the premiership. You don't want like diversity quotas for those kind of positions. What you want is merit and the best candidate gets it regardless of race, religion, and what whatever it is, right? So, I would say the question is quite theoretical now. Now, the third point I would say about this is, Taman is clearly much better than everybody else. So, to extrapolate and say that this shows that race doesn't matter in politics or in life, I would say it's a little bit of a stretch. Right? I am not convinced uh, by that argument because if it took Earl Thurman to be much better, who's much better than everybody else to obliterate his opposition, well, not everybody is a Thurman, right? So I am not a Thurman, right? Many minorities are not Thurman. There's only one Thurman, right? So I am not sure what we can extrapolate from this other than the fact that Singaporeans will give the most deserving candidate the victory. So that's that's what I would say. Now, what is the implication of what I just said? I would say we shouldn't be too quick to say, oh, we need to remove the GRC, for instance, right? Because as I said, Taman is an exception, and if you have to be much better than the majority to succeed, 
in a particular field, then I'm not sure whether we can say, oh, that shows that the safeguards that are needed, uh, the the safeguards that are in place are not needed anymore, right? So I, I am in favor of the GRC because I think, of course, I want it to be smaller. I I think in principle I support the GRC, so I disagree with the opposition parties on this. I am not really in favor of the reserve presidency because I think. For that one, you let Singaporeans decide, and that's less crucial in terms of multiracial representation anyway. Uh, so I think uh, I would be hesitant to say that. Oh, this shows that we can do away with racial safeguards. That that's what I would say uh, uh, on the particular point of uh, Taman winning. There is a question. Voting profile by class was not discussed throughout this election. What is your assessment of the relevance of class in this election and future elections? So there was, there have been some uh, studies on this, right? Or at least, and formally, informally, and you know, in 2011, what were the types of, who were the types of people that voted uh, for the PAP and against uh, the PAP? And this, of course, this sorts of profile changes uh, over elections as well. For this particular election, I don't think we we have the data for that. But definitely, class will is one of the more salient cleavages. I would argue more salient than race in many many political analysis. Seventy point four percent so far, as I said, means that approximately two thirds of people voted for him, which means that it's quite likely that some oppositions. Some opposition members had voted for him. Yes, I agree. So there's no question there. So I would say I I agree. Okay. So that that is it uh, that I wanted to say for this, uh, and I think uh, it does uh, it does. Uh, we need to just be careful about making simplistic conclusions from Taman's victory. Also, for as I said, so the number of Taman vote. Does not necessarily equate to endorsement of the ruling party. I've already addressed that earlier, so maybe can uh, look. Uh, maybe I don't know whether you came in late or something. I'll just I'll just repeat. I think at least it shows that the brand isn't as toxic as a lot of people claim it is. So should reserve presidency be removed? I, I think so. I I am not a, a huge fan of that. Uh, and I think in 2017 it caused far more divisions than than uh, than necessary. So I am I would be in favor of that. I know I think yesterday Eugene Tan said that uh, that safeguard is useful, and I agree with the principle. I just don't think that for the presidency itself you need it. I think it's more crucial for the GRC. So I'll talk about who I think constituted the Angkok Song and Tan Kinlan votes later on, right? So the the second last point about the opposition, uh, I'll I'll talk about Tan Kinlan, the because I know the CNA spent a lot of time on Tan Kinlan yesterday, right? I'll talk about it later on. So the second last point I wanted to talk about is the opposition endorsements, uh, and there are two things to be. To be discussed here, right? So one, the opposition endorsements didn't seem to matter as much because Tan Kinlan only got 13 plus percent of the votes. And two, what does it? 
predict or portend for these people who endorsed? Did they take a hit when they endorsed Tan Kin Lian? Right? So the first thing, I think yes, it didn't matter as much and also shows that Singaporeans are more discerning than, than a lot of people think they are um, in terms of who they want to vote for. So, and this is just not Singaporeans. A lot of times celebrity endorsements, for instance, in the States also don't matter because voters, when they decide, uh, they decide. And so that's why you have a lot of endorsements, but people don't necessarily go with the endorsements. It, it, it could matter, but it wouldn't matter too much. right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, will it hurt Tan Cheng Bok and Chi Soon Jun? It definitely doesn't help. Definitely doesn't help. I think Workers' Party was smart to stay away from from endorsing any of the candidates. Um, so, I I am cautious to say it would definitely hurt. I said it, it definitely doesn't help. But I'm not sure whether by 2024, 2025, whether this will be a significant factor for voters because there will be other things that will matter in the election. So, I, I I'm agnostic at this point in time whether it will really it will really matter so uh, this idea that uh, so uh, Zinon was saying it's not Tan Kin Lian, but the opposition members who endorse Tan Kin Lian, they will probably face an uphill battle well uh, I don't know I'm agnostic as I say it doesn't help but I'm hesitant to say it will definitely hurt because there will be many other things that that will happen and also the opposition can say it's not that they were endorsing Tan Kin Lian and his post but it was just him as the anti-establishment candidate. And it brings me to my final point, the one that I wanted to talk about is about Ng Kok Song and Tan Kin Lian. And okay, so, and we can discuss who exactly voted for people like Ng Kok Song. I think for Ng Kok Song, he had two types of voters. One is the anti-establishment, but thought he would be able to win. And then the other one, or he would get more votes than Tan Kin Lian, so they went with him instead of Tan Kin Lian. Then the second one uh, would be the ones who are more pro-establishment perhaps, but this would be a, a small number, and then they went for Ng Kok Song because they want to shake things up. So that's, that's the, those are the two types of voters, uh, I think. And, you know, I've had Ng Kok Song... Um, on before I like him a lot. I think he's extremely capable, and and I'm I'm quite heartened to to have gotten to know of the existence of such a person in the past six weeks, and it gives me hope that there are many such gems within the civil service, within the establishment. You know that people that we do not know of, uh, but they contribute a lot to the country's running. Right now, so Tan Kinlan, right? I just wanted to address this, uh, address this. Uh, by the way, by the way, sorry, before I get to Tan Kilian, <coughs> there's a question. Electors in Singapore are more rational in their decision-making. So I think we, we need to stop with this uh, Singaporean exceptionalism. Uh, and then, of course, comparing to uh, America. Voters everywhere are typically rational. Right? Now, their costs and benefits, the way they measure costs and benefits differ from voter to voter, but all of them, nobody wants to vote against their self-interest. They may understand their self-interest differently, right? So we shouldn't pretend like, oh, voters in Singapore are more rational. Then who? Then voters in Malaysia? Then voters in US? I think it's, I completely disagree with that. I think voters in Singapore are rational, as are voters everywhere, right, generally. 
So, on Tan Kinlian, on Tan Kinlian, I must say that I think now. Okay, you guys know my my positions on race for sure, uh, and I've discussed this many times. I definitely find his post on on Indians. You know, when he said the Mumbai thing, that for me was decidedly racist, right? And whatever he wants to say after that, he didn't mean it. But for me. Was a racist post, and there is no justification to it. So I definitely am not a fan, to say the least. However, what I would say is the moral panic that people have displayed about Tan Kin Lam. Right? It it almost reminds me about how people in the US, right? Polite polite society or mainstream people, people. On the left, people who are more liberal, they don't want to see why somebody like Trump would be popular, right? Or the, the people in Western Europe don't want to see why right-wing parties would be popular. Of course, that part of the reason is because of racism and xenophobia, Western Europe Islamophobia, and so on. But that's not the only reason. It it is also basically a vote, a middle finger to the establishment in in those countries, right? So when people support these candidates, it's not necessarily uh, true that they endorse every single thing that that person has said, but it's the ultimate anti-establishment vote. And that was what I saw with many people who, many people I spoke to who said they were going to vote for Tan Kin Lian. I know they are not racist or misogynist, uh, but that was that's what that was what they said. So I was very taken aback by, including many of my friends. You know who was saying, "Oh, it's so important to deny Tan Kin Lian the vote," and so almost not wanting to understand why people would vote there. And again, I don't want to vote, shame voters for choosing uh, who they who they choose. Right? Uh, and of course, the other one is it it becomes very easy to criticize Tan Kin Lian, right? It's and you see this on IG stories. I see this all the time, right? It's it's the easy target. Not that he shouldn't be criticized. I'm just saying that it also became a lot about virtue signaling, and I didn't really want want to partake in that because he's such an easy target. As I said, it doesn't mean that he didn't deserve it, but I am quite against virtue signaling a lot of times, and I I think I saw that a lot, um, and I think there was an excessive focus even yesterday when I was uh, watching the coverage. On Tan Kin Lian's post and so on, instead of understanding why people are willing to overlook that the people who voted for him. In any case, the number was small anyway, so it seems like the moral panic was that was just that it was hyperbole, it was exaggerated, and it was more panic than reality, right? Uh, so somebody said it could be a genuine worry that someone like Tan Kin Lian uh, could be given power. Well, he got 13%. He was never going to win to begin with. He got 13%. The previous election, he got less than 5%. So I think, uh, whatever I've said, instead of trying to understand why people would vote for that, uh, then we uh, we we just go for the easy one, right? Oh, this must be must be racist. Oh, it must be prevented. And and for me, I always try to understand: Are there racist people who vote for him? Probably. Probably, I but I would never say oh that constitutes the majority of his voters or anything. Do you think Ng Kok Song also got some of the female voters or younger voters who couldn't accept 
perhaps uh, i think he did but uh, we don't have the numbers for we don't have the uh, breakdown for that but perhaps uh, so that that would be everything that i wanted to say and if you if you have some questions i'll be happy to take them for the next 5 minutes i think i went i i thought i would just speak for 30 minutes but in any case i think i have a lot of admiration for anyone who stands in elections even if i disagree with them so even tan kelian i know people will make fun of him and so on and in spite of his uh, personal predispositions i do respect the fact that he put himself out there now i don't respect many of the positions he take uh, he takes and his political positions but i do respect the fact that he put himself out there so i'm thankful that Angkok Song, Tan Kin Lian, and George Goh, don't forget him, actually uh, put themselves out there. Right. Um, so Tio asks, do you agree with Donald Lowe's analysis that Angkok Song represented the old guard capital focus wing of the establishment? Uh, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with the, uh, that assessment and uh, this idea that I think Jolene and I have discussed this before in one of our episodes and about how sometimes in liberal circles people have have created an image of Taman that doesn't really jibe with reality right you can refer to refer to those comments uh, later on okay so any predictions for future GEs no and I try nowadays I try to stay away from predictions because they it would just be speculation in the absence of data right and the data that you have usually is just based on your close circles you look at how many predictions were saying oh taman will get less than 50% taman will get less than 50% and clearly it went uh, it went a completely different way and i think people should uh, should not uh, understand uh, should understand that our limited interactions are not reflective of of the general uh, public sentiment and ultimately the best referendum is the vote right? the best measure of public sentiment is the vote right? so just uh, ask do you think in view of taman's landslide victory so i i addressed this earlier i don't know uh, but i would be feeling pre pretty confident if i were from the ruling party So why can't presidents be young people? Uh, I'm honestly sick and tired of these old people being leaders. I don't understand this. I think ageism is one of the last acceptable prejudices. So two things. Firstly, I thought we Asians were the people who valued wisdom <laughs> and age. And as you get older, you're supposed to be smarter and wiser. So I don't have a problem with people who want to be uh, peop uh, with us not worshipping youth and getting older people to be uh, to be our leaders i think that's a good thing that should be celebrated of course i'm not saying that we shouldn't have young people in parliament and so on but generally we accept that the older a person becomes the wiser the person becomes right uh, but of course as i said it shouldn't be age it should be health and if you are healthy enough you are young enough that's what i would say so given that this election was partially a referendum on the PAP why haven't the grievances borne out as I said earlier I think 
the uh, it is it shows that maybe the grievances have been exaggerated of course there are grievances there are genuine grievances and i think the ge it will play out slightly differently i do accept that but i do think as well that you cannot say that the grievances are beyond repair so igi asks do you think the lack of publicly available polls resulted in the huge taman margin um perhaps uh, but again if people have voted people have voted and if they think that taman is the choice that they should make in relation to the others uh, it doesn't matter why why they made that uh, uh why they made that determination the lack of information always matters and it's not just about polls it's about you are predicting who is the for instance if you were in the 30% the calculation you would make is who is the one who's more likely to get higher amount of votes and coxong or tankinlen and that in the absence of certainty or in the absence of information that would affect how you vote as well so the lack of information obviously always matters in any election but ultimately it doesn't matter overall in the sense that taman still got 70% Uh, and that's a resounding victory for him if taman didn't contest and another establishment endorsed candidates stood against both ankok song and tan kinlen could we be seeing a different result today definitely it wouldn't be 70% now would i go as far as saying that oh then that person would lose i wouldn't but definitely it would be lower than 70% Is it concerning Samantha us that most Singaporeans do not prioritize having an independent president well it depends on on how you see the presidency i think for people who who view the president as being a check and balance then you would find it concerning but evidently 70% of Singaporeans do not view that as concerning and if people have voted they they have voted right as i said Do you think hi or do you think most votes for Taman came from the new citizens so this is I mean the undertone of this question right I I mean I first of all so if new citizens vote new citizens vote their citizens as well so they can vote for whoever they want secondly even if all the new citizens voted for Taman it's still not enough to get 70% right it's nowhere near so we cannot just deny reality and say oh it is this most votes for taman came from new citizens just statistically that's impossible it's impossible for that maybe you meant to ask a different question maybe you meant to ask do most new citizens vote for taman right and that would be a better question right so as i said so what if they did it doesn't matter new citizens their votes are the same as old citizens quote unquote is still one vote so i wouldn't really like the undertone of that question i don't really like but secondly the numbers are just not there for us to to say that which is often said right oh pap wins elections because of uh, new citizens right that's not true you cannot get 60 plus percent just based on new citizens um i've already addressed about uh, too oblivious what a president's role is uh, earlier and there is one more question uh, i think what does it take for an opposition to be pm <laughs> you have to win the election right so basically it's two things right so for for the 
for you to win the elections. One is for the opposition in Singapore to win the elections. One is the PAP must be perceived to not be good. And second one, the opposition must be perceived to be better. So both, both incumbent weakness and opposition strength. Right? Uh, and at, at this point in time, I don't think we are near that. Uh, where it's it's significant to talk about an opposition person being PM. I think a more realistic one you're thinking about is to deny the uh, the two-thirds majority. That would be a more significant target or a realistic achievable target for the opposition rather than talk about unseating the PAP. Uh, do you support WP's call to abolish the elected presidency? I'm a bit agnostic on this one because so on one hand, I do think that there is some value in a, a figure which is above partisan politics. I do think there is some value in that. On the other, the nature of elections is going to be divisive. right? And especially if we are going to have people who are associated with political parties, then it does, whether it's the opposition or whether it's the ruling party, then it does taint this institution a little. However, go go we go back to what I said at the start, like 70%, it shows that most Singaporeans are, are comfortable with this. So how do we how do we argue against that? Which is why I'm pretty agnostic about that. I would be okay uh, either way, I suppose, right? Um, I already addressed Ang Kok Song's campaign. What is next for Jurong GRC? I mean, that's a question for a couple of uh, years or next GE. But definitely, they will not get 75% anymore because Taman is not there. What is interesting is to see which opposition party will contest there, right? Whether a stronger, more established opposition party will be contesting there. So, uh, this person say, I don't want to mention the name, but this person said that my parents are very anti-establishment but switched to Taman while queuing up. And I think there will be that. I think there will be people who normally would not vote for the PAP but voted for Taman nonetheless. Uh, is there a Tan Kinlian, Tan Kinlian effect? Opposition may be perceived that Tan Kinlian is back. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Maybe you can clarify. It's interesting to note that many people reminisce about Ong Teng Chong yet forget that he was also a DPM before becoming president. I am not sure what, what your point is, Zinon. Are you saying that therefore there's a possibility that Taman would go against the government or because it has happened before uh, maybe maybe you can clarify that point uh, or oh, is there a Tan Kinlian effect where opposition may not want to vote for Tan Kinlian because of what he said yes but there's, there's the, the option of Ng Kok Song there's also the option of spot votes right so if you don't want to do that there are two other options before you get to Taman right? so if you get to Taman it's still reflective of something before that um, so I think that's it and if there are no more questions, I think I will take my leave and thank you. So do you think the requirements to run for the presidency are too stringent? I already said yes, I do think it is the case. Uh, and I would be in favor of do ref uh, of reforming uh, the criteria at least. Right? <coughs> and I've, I've addressed 
uh, the other questions I think uh, as first question but I'll just repeat this do you think the establishment would see this as a vote of confidence for them I think they would I think they, they should to some extent I know I would see it as uh, <laughs> uh, as an endorsement of some sort with I, I would say it's a qualified endorsement for sure but it definitely is uh, uh, an endorsement uh, to some extent so pixelated Zoe asked do you think Taman had had the help of creatives such as Royston Tan Royston Tan was on on his team so uh, he had the help uh, maybe you're asking whether the help whether the endorsement method and I think I think for sure uh, more more so than Royston I think his campaign to influencers I think was was pretty good so Zinon said many non-Taman uh, supporters kept promoting on Teng Chong independence for some reason because the independence was proven after that already so I, I'm not quite sure the what the criticism of that is because if the if it's been proven then you definitely can talk about uh, the independence right uh, and I think that's what people are reminiscing about I, I'm not sure whether that is a fair critique of people praising Ong Teng Chong right? but maybe you can clarify that again okay if there's nothing else if I keep taking comments I will not go so thank you so much for joining and I'll be uploading this later and we do have a president Taman and as I said the way I see elections is there's the arena for citizens to settle our differences and once it's settled we move on we move on to the next election we move on with governing and it's very important for us to take elections as that ultimate arena for us to settle the differences which is why it's very important for us to keep our elections legitimate uh, and voting is secret and yesterday I got a couple of questions voting is absolutely secret so uh, and I think whatever our criticisms of the uh, electoral system is and I have articulated them as well including uh, the criteria, the restrictive criteria you cannot say that the elections are fraudulent and not legitimate I, d I definitely don't say that and therefore the results are reflective of the people's aspirations even if you did not vote uh, even if your candidate did not win alright, uh, enjoy your weekend everyone bye bye